It is truly an honor and a joy to be here with you today at this service of women's empowerment. As we continue the sacred season of Easter, I wanted to talk to you today about Mary Magdalene. You may already be acquainted with her, or maybe you don't feel a connection with her, but I have been drawn to her and fascinated by her for many years. In 2005, my husband Paul and I bought a print of this painting that hangs at the J. Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles. It hangs at the top of our staircase in a hallway. And my little grandsons, Michael, who is eight, and Maddox, who is six, pass by it on the way to their bunk beds when they visit. One day, Maddox said, Grandma Sally, that picture is really creepy. <laughs> you should get rid of it. Kids today. I, I didn't know how to explain to him the symbolism and significance that the painting had for me. The sun is rising in the east to Mary Magdalene's left, but she is flooded by light coming from in front of her. I love this moment that is captured of her encounter with the risen Christ. I'm also captivated by the fact that she is somewhat hidden and shrouded by her robe in this picture because I think she has been hidden and shrouded throughout the church's history. In her book, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovering the Woman at the Heart of Christianity, Cynthia Bourgeau writes about a time in 2005, the same year that Paul and I bought our print, that she attended a working retreat at a monastery in Vézelay, France. She was working on another book at that time called Chanting the Psalms. While she was there, she attended a Good Friday liturgy that was based on the Gospel of Matthew recounting Jesus' burial. She listened, enraptured by the incense, the beauty of the French language, catching what she could. Suddenly, she was startled to hear the name Mary Magdalene. She was there, Borjo thought. Why had I never noticed this? As an Episcopal priest, she had presided over many Good Friday liturgies, and as a choral mu musician, she had sung in many Bach passions. That evening, thinking maybe her French had failed her, she took out her Bible in her room, and there it was. In, in Matthew 27, 61. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary remained standing there in the front of the tomb. She realized, she realized that like many of us growing up in the church, much of what we perceive comes through the filters of tradition and liturgy. Our attention was inevitably turned towards certain aspects of the Easter story at the expense of others. Bourgeau wondered why had she heard so many times about the threefold denial of Jesus by Peter, but never of the steadfastness of Mary Magdalene? That image of Mary Magdalene as the penitent prostitute was put forth in a sermon by Pope Gregory the Great in the year 594. And that image that he put forth became the official outlook of the church for some 1,400 years. 
1969, the Roman Catholic Church finally repealed the teaching that Mary Magdalene had been a prostitute. There was not, there's nothing in scripture that indicates that that was true. I don't remember homilies about Mary Magdalene when I was growing up, but my parents had a big coffee table book of works of art and I encountered her there. Most of the art reflected the image that the church had of her being remorseful over her sinfulness. I didn't connect with her in those pictures the way I did with the print that Paul and I bought where she looks directly at us and she appears enlightened. It is a re-education to see Mary Magdalene as an apostle worthy enough for Jesus to want to appear first to her, worthy enough for him to want her to be his witness. Mary Magdalene has many gifts to offer for us in this Easter season. One is the insight that gender is, has nothing to do with being in the inner circle as one of Jesus' disciples. It has to do with understanding his messages that he taught and a commitment to that. All four Gospels place Mary Magdalene in that inner circle of Jesus' disciples. Bruce Chilton, a professor of religion at Bard College and Episcopal priest, notes that from 25 CE onward in Capernaum, Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' closest disciples, dedicated to learning his wisdom. Luke, in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it's, there is a story about how Jesus healed Mary Magdalene from seven demons. Megan Watterson, in her book, Mary Magdalene Revealed, feels that those demons are not indicative of how far Mary Magdalene fell, but how much she overcame. The demons may be viewed as powers of the ego that circle through our lives again and again, for some of us, several times a day. They need not be viewed as sinful or demonic, but merely human. And that is another gift that Mary Magdalene brings. As humans, we are embodied, yes, but we also have a soul. And any of us can experience the transformation that Jesus offers. We do this not through an outside savior, but from waking up and becoming more attuned to the great force of love that is just waiting for us to return to it. In the chaotic days after Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, Mary, Mar Mary Magdalene stayed firm. She offered the profound gifts of witnessing, love, and presence. Cynthia Bourgeau writes that hers was either the, the deepest expression of human love or the deepest spiritual understanding of Jesus' teachings, or perhaps both. Jesus did not die abandoned and alone. Mary Magdalene was with him, and she never left. Throughout history, she is often depicted with her alabaster jar of sacred oil for anointing. Oil was a very prized possession in ancient times. It was used for cooking and preparing food, for dressing wounds, for conditioning hair and beards, and for the sacred art of anointing. Bruce Chilton writes that Jesus endorsed the practice of anointing when he paraphrased 
something from the book of Isaiah to speak of his own experience. The spirit of our Lord is upon me because the Most High has anointed me to bring good news to those who are poor. God has sent me to proclaim liberty to those held captive and recovery of sight to the blind and release to those in prison. Jesus' anointing by the Spirit was a cornerstone of his ministry. And the book of Mark describes how the disciples anointed many people who were unwell with oil. Cynthia Bourgeau points out that when Mary Magdalene's traditional role as the anointer of Jesus is upheld, an, impor upheld, an important symmetry appears. At Bethany, she sends him forth to the cross wearing the oil of her love. Then on Easter morning, he again smells the fragrances of her perfumes and spices when she comes to anoint his body for burial. Throughout his journey through death, he has been held in her love. She connects his death and resurrection. Mary Magdalene can remind us of the potential we all have as human beings. Everyone is invited on Jesus' path of transformation of heart and mind. No one is excluded. She was beloved by Jesus, not because she bowed down and worshiped him as an idol, but because she followed his example and became the embodiment of love. That love renders all things sacred and sees the beauty and worth inherent in all life. That love is what the world so desperately needs. Amen. Yeah.